You're listening to the Take Him With You podcast with Rick and Amy on the Stitcher Radio Network. Welcome to Take Him With You for episode 234 for August 4th, 2013. This is Amy and doing sign language over here is Rick because his voice is gone. Okay, say it with your fingers here and I'll translate. <laughs> okay, so what's been going on in our house, dear? Besides you losing your voice. Actually, my voice was mostly gone, but it's well, it's come back most of the way, but yours is still out there somewhere in Netherland. In Netherland? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I don't really have a voice, and so I'm not going to talk much. But, uh, yeah, I'm here. So uh, you get to talk to everybody. Have fun. Hi, everybody. You'll get to hear me preach because that's the last time I had a voice. Okay, bye. And I think if you listen... Uh, carefully, you could tell he barely had a voice when he was preaching. But yeah, he's going to share a message. Last week, um, Rick did part two, oh no, part one of um, Low Like Joe, the story of Joseph, um, Prince of Egypt. Well, not really Prince of Egypt. That was Moses. But um, <laughs> so Joseph you'll hear about him. He, he started out um, one of the youngest children of a big family and had quite of an adventure and you'll get to hear all about that. Um, what's going on at our house? Well, I think one of the most exciting things is that Catherine got a, um, car finally. It's not, um, as fancy or big as her last one. She got a little 1999, Volkswagen Beetle and it has lots of issues that she got it pretty cheap and we have a friend that's going to hopefully fix up all the little things that are wrong with it. It does drive okay though um, but it's going to need a new timing belt. Um, One of the seats doesn't go forward. There's a bunch of little odds and ends when you get an older car but thankfully, um, a guy that goes to our church loves working on Volkswagen Beetles. He he actually has a little racing car that he races that has the same engine on it. So he's looking forward to tearing in. So when she leaves this week, we're going to take her up to the airport this Thursday to go to Africa. While she's gone in Africa, he's going to tear her into her car that we just got her and... Um, hopefully make it nice and safe and we have to get new tires on it because the tires are cracking and you know when you get a good deal on a car you probably expect that you're gonna have to put some money in it to make it safe so we're we're gonna be working on that while she's gone in Africa so that when college starts up in the fall she's gonna have reliable transportation to and from college and um you know this has been an interesting week for us because b- both Rick and I have been getting over um, illness and his voice is still gone. Mine's coming back. Um, I was interviewed today for the Heroine podcast with Stefan Sonnock. Did I say his name right? Heroine. 
not not like the drug, but like the hero that's a woman. And uh, so it's we did part one, and he wants to have me back in a couple of weeks for part two. I'm not quite sure how thrilling it's going to be, but he wanted to interview me. So we did that this morning or this afternoon, actually. It was early morning for him, five in the morning for him and noon for me. <clears throat> so that was an interesting podcast, I think. Oh, did I do okay? And um, then I've been working this week, and Rick's been working on a video. He filmed a, a video for a big construction company doing a safety video again for them. And he's working on editing, doing some, doing a couple websites for people. He has several voiceover jobs that he has, hasn't been able to do. So we really could use prayer that his voice comes back because that's part of the way that we pay our bills here at the Moyers household is by him doing voiceovers. And at this point, he's not able to do that work. Um, he has, you know, a couple other jobs he's working on, but prayers would be appreciated. And prayers for safety for Catherine as we travel to the airport with her and she travels clear to Africa. Safety while she's there and, and um, that there'll be really cool things that she gets to experience while she's there. Um, they'll be building a school and helping with a feeding program and a daycare program. And so it'll be quite an adventure for her. Not only will she have a 19-hour flight um, there, but then they'll be driving up the coast of West Africa to San Luis, or as we would say in the United States, St. Louis. Um, and she'll be staying there and then going off into the jungles to um, help build a school. So please be praying the last group that the lady who's a coordinator, um, <laughs> she got lost driving to the school location. And I'm going, oh, that doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> so we need to pray that she won't get lost this time with our daughter in the car. Um, but it's going to be an adventure for Catherine. And I, you know, hopefully she'll be able to do lots of good there and um, be a blessing to the people of Senegal. Um can you think of anything else that we need to say? Do sign language. Oh, Rick wanted me to say my flowers are pretty. I, I have, with being ill and being busy, last weekend we had the art walk and you had a big photo shoot for a high school graduation, not graduation, high school reunion, class of 1973. Rick did a slideshow for them with all their pictures from their graduation and um, has been mailing those out this week. And <coughs> so I think we're kind of in recovery mode from last weekend because it was so busy and we were we were kind of fighting colds last weekend and, and then we were so, so busy. <clears throat> this weekend, we're not quite, I mean, we are busy, but not in as much of a physical, stressful way. Um, Rick still has projects he's working on, but again, please, I'm saying again, please pray for his voice. Um, what else can you think of? I haven't got out to work at my flowers for a while. Thankfully, um, God rain, um, watered them for us in the form of rain this last week because <laughs> we haven't been out watering as much. You watered a couple times, good dear. So I've been gone a lot. I've been gone 
to different places for work this next week um is my brother my my uncle's um 85th birthday yeah so i'm going to be going to centralia about an hour so hour and 15 minutes away to go say happy birthday to him on tuesday gonna take the day off work wednesday i may have jury duty ah we'll find out so that's kind of crazy um, anything else you can think of? Okay, so let's go ahead and get into, um, the message that Rick preached last week at Raymond First Baptist Church, and hope you enjoy this. Last time on As the Bible Turns, a young man named Joe, or Joseph, as we know him from the Bible, has a dream, has a couple of dreams. He shares his dreams with his family, who's not very excited about his dreams, because his dreams imply that they someday will bow down to him and give him great respect, even though he's the snot-nosed little kid. Dad says to Joe, Joe, go check on the other brothers. And Joe goes. He's a tattletale, and he's looking for something scandalous. And yes, he finds it. They're not where they're supposed to be. But when his brothers see him coming, what do they do? We all know the story. They plot against him. Let's kill him. Well, instead of killing them, they throw him in a pit, take his coat, pour, I can't remember what kind of blood all over it, goat blood or something like that. They shred it all up. This is like, this is like some serious soap opera. One of the brothers goes to bat for Joe, but not in time, as the band of slave traders go across the desert, the brothers decide to sell Joseph out of the pit to the slave traders, make some cash, 30 pieces of silver, shekels of silver, sorry. What's a shekel? Anyway, they sell him, he takes off, he goes into Egypt where he is put in Potiphar's house. Potiphar likes him, and Joseph rises to the top and becomes second in command of Potiphar's household. He's a pretty awesome guy, and he does a great job for Potiphar until Potiphar's wife enters the scene. Potiphar's wife likes Joseph because he's va-va-va-voom, nice looking. She says, hey, right here. And he says, no, I won't do that to my master. I won't do this. She says, yes, you will. And keeps going on that for some time until finally, does Joseph give in? No. He says, no, I'm not going to do this. 
She grabs his clothes as he's running away from her because he doesn't want to get in trouble. And she screams, foul play. Potiphar comes home, gets a bad report, and sends Joseph to prison. Okay, now you're all caught up. Right? Our conclusion last week was, you can't keep a God man down somehow, some way. When, when people of integrity, men and women of integrity, men and women who serve God, do it with a whole heart, even if bad things happen, somehow, some way, we rise to the top. And of course, we find that in prison, when Joseph is thrown in there for being accused of something he did not do, he does rise to the top yet once again. And what we found out last week was that the jailer, or the head guy, the warden, if you will, put Joseph in charge of everything. Probably went on vacation. I don't know what he did. Played cards in the guard booth or something. And Joseph takes care of everything. He's a good guy. But he's still in prison. And now, we take up where we left off. Question for you, have you ever felt neglected? No, I have. Have you ever felt forgotten? Yeah, we all have. What do you do when you're falsely accused? Do you scream really loud or do you just get hurt? Or do you try to prove your innocence? What do you do when you go through a rough patch in life? Well, today on part two, by the way, I'm calling this low like a Joe. What do you do when things like this happen? In part two today, we're going to see another disappointing moment in Joseph's life. Followed by quick promotion and then an opportunity to get his revenge. And we're going to find out if he actually takes that opportunity. And I only have like six, seven chapters to go through. So here we go. Well, it's okay. We're here till three. It's all right. I'm probably going to put it in a nutshell. I hope that's okay. We're in chapter 40 of Genesis. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Don't know why I was supposed to read out of the message, but I guess this is what printed out, so here we go. It came to pass after these things. Now this is, Joseph is now in charge of the prison kind of thing. Not as, he's a prisoner still, but he's got a lot of responsibility. Came to pass that after these things, the butler and the baker, but not the candlestick maker, because that always gets me when I read that. I don't know why I think that. The, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended the king. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, so he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Gave, take care of these guys. And he served them. What? So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning 
and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of this Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? Or some versions will say, why is your countenance so low? I wouldn't probably say it that way, but dude, why are you so depressed? And they said to him, we each had a dream and there's no interpretation of it. So Joseph said, this is awesome. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Okay. Number one, we can learn how you rise to the top when you're in bad situations. First thing that we see that Joseph does is he's aware of the people around him. And most of us, when we get into a situation that's very difficult, we go into maintenance mode. Self-preservation. Me, 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 me. I, 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 Don't we? Joseph, I'm sure he had those moments. I don't think he was immune to that. But why would Joseph actually be cared? I mean, he's a prisoner in the prison. Why would he care about the people around him? Because of his integrity, because of his relationship with God. So we find out that being one of the ways to rise to the top is to be aware of our fellow man or woman during crisis. We're not the only ones going through a rough time. You can say that. You can look in the mirror in the morning when it's really rough and you can say, guess what, you? You're not the only one going through a rough time. There's other people too doing that. That just seems to dissolve things. helps to know I'm not the only one in this boat. The other thing that we learned from Joseph is he did not focus on the wrong that was done to him, even though he could have. I would imagine that every day he probably thought, mm, Potiphar's wife, that wasn't so good for her to do this to me. However, I think he moved on because there wasn't much he could do about it. Some of us have a problem moving on. I know I do. It's easy to dwell on what happened to us, but if we do dwell on what happened to us, then we won't really go forward too well. So instead of focusing on the wrong done to us, look for the right to do for someone else. And this is what Joseph did. So here's the story in a nutshell. He says to them, why are you guys so depressed? And they say, man, we had this dream and we don't even know what it means. And, and then Joseph, instead of saying, well, you know, I'm pretty cool. Because a lot of us do that too. He gives credit to God. He says, well, don't interpretations belong to God? And they're like, Duh, yeah, I guess. And what does he do? He says, well, tell him to me, please. Okay, I guess it can't hurt. And so they tell him this, the, what the dream was about. He says, Chief Butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was thought that uh, it was as though it budded. It blossomed short forth. And its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. And then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. And Joseph said to him, well, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. 
But remember, remember me. Joseph is saying, remember me when this happens to you. And make mention of me to the Pharaoh. and Get me out of this house. So we see he doesn't really like it there, but he's doing his best. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of this house, or I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and I also have done nothing here that should put me into the dungeon. Okay, well, this is interesting. Joseph's kind of standing up for what, you know, is wrong, what happened to him. Well, when the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, he said, Joseph, hey, tell me about my dream too. So Joseph does. He shares, the, or the, the, the baker shares his dream, and um, it's not a very good one. He says, I also was in my dream and there were three white baskets on my head and the uppermost baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, well, here's the interpretation for you. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh. (laughs) Wow, thanks, Joseph. Well, it came to pass now on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, by the way, (laughs) that he made a feast for all of his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. And then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again. And he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember, but forgot Joseph. What? This was a pretty miraculous situation. He interpreted the dreams that God, God gave him the interpretation. And he, he just asked one thing. Re- remember me before the Pharaoh because I don't like it in here. And he get, didn't get the cupbearer. Just forgot. Would you forget? Oh man, I'm, I'm back to my job. That's just great. I don't care how I got here. I'm just here. Forgets him. Can you imagine what Joseph felt like? Okay, then it says in the next verse, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Okay, we're going to, we don't have enough time to go through this whole story, but I'm just saying that by the end of this, this big long story that we're, we're talking about, Joseph is over 30 years old. He was just a kid when he got thrown into the pit. Okay, how many have ever been a little bit impatient about, you know, things working out? <laughs> We're talking about a long time. And I wish I could say that we were able just to do things whenever we wanted to, but unfortunately, the timing of God is different than our time. I don't get it. I never have. I don't understand how that all works. But God does. He knows. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen in between, and things are planned out. Okay, so Joseph is, I'm sure, feeling neglected here. And one of the other things we learn from him is when he serves and ministers to people, his needs are met. But in this situation, he probably thought, my needs are not being met. I just asked one thing. However, something happens. The Pharaoh, he has his own set of dreams. And he calls for the soothsayers and the psychologists and the and the, uh, the psychics and everybody else to come and interpret his dreams, and nobody can. Until the cupbearer is pouring wine in his glass one day and goes, I remember this guy. 
that I was in prison with. And he knows, what he, he knows what's up. And so he tells the Pharaoh, hey, I know this guy. I mean, believe it or not, you know, remember when you were really mad at me? I don't like to bring this up, but I know this guy that can help you out. And that's exactly what happens. <coughs> Excuse me. They call for Joseph, says that he shaves, puts on new clothes because he smelled real bad. And he comes to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh says, here's my dreams. I hear you can interpret them. And he says, well, only God can interpret dreams, Pharaoh. He's in front of the, the supreme commander of life. And he doesn't take credit. He doesn't go, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. Give me my own TV show. I'll write books and we can, I'll sign them and I'll make lots of money. Nope. He says, look at Pharaoh. I'm nobody really, but God, he knows your number. And Joseph, amazingly enough, not only interprets the dreams, which are just really freaky dreams, they're all, basically they're all about a big famine that happens, and, and uh, Joseph interprets them, but not only that, God gives him wisdom to say how to fix what's going to happen. That's pretty cool. Not only does he get why this is happening, but he gets a plan. I love that. Because if God's going to reveal something, he usually gives you a plan to go along with it so that you can take care of it. And he does. Pharaoh is so impressed with the interpretation and the plan that what does he do? Here goes Joseph. Rising to the top. He puts Joseph in charge. He's second to the Pharaoh, for goodness sakes. And he goes into operation saving Pharaoh's kingdom. And he does. Well, in the meantime, back on the ranch, the Lone Ranger, no, I'm sorry, not the Lone Ranger, sorry. Joseph's brothers are coming into some hard times because the famine is happening. They don't have any food. They don't know what to do. So what do they do? They go to Egypt to see if they can buy some grain and wouldn't you know it, this is really condensed, you guys. This is, like, this is like getting cream of mushroom soup direct. You don't put anything with it. Okay. <laughs> Joseph's brothers show up and they ask if they can get some grain. Joseph walks out and there they are. Can you imagine the feelings that flooded him? The guys that sold him into slavery. He was in prison for so many years in the gross conditions and they really messed him over. And there they are, asking for food. But they don't recognize him. He knows who they are, but they don't know who he is. And I would imagine, if that was me, I would try to play with him at first. And that's exactly what he did. But really, actually the first reaction, if you, if you read in the scripture, is he actually got out of there really quick and he weeped. So it's not like Joseph was like super cop or robocop and had no emotions or Spock. He actually had great feeling, but he didn't know what to do at that point. So he got away for a moment. He wept. I'm sure that he had some time to talk to God and say, what do I do? Because right now I have the power. I could just flick him and it'd be over. I could kill him. What do I do? How many people know? Joseph does the right thing. 
But at first, he kind of goofs around with them. And I'm not sure why. I, probably because human nature would do that. But another thing we learn from Joseph's life, to do a good job even though no one is watching us because God sees everything that we do. And he knew that. He knew that if he really played with them too hard, he was going to get a little, little problem on his hands. And I think he had to check his attitude. How many of you have ever had to check your attitude? Do you know that attitude is the, and I don't know how to say, is it, is it the altimeter? 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 How do you, what do you call that in a plane? Is it altimeter? Well, let's just say your altitude can, can determine your attitude sometimes. And if you can rise above a lot of stuff, you can keep a pretty good attitude. Again, Joseph is rising to the top here. I'm sure he put his concerns in front of God. And then he had an opportunity to get revenge against the very people that had hurt him. Now we know most of Hollywood and the movies that we watch is all about people getting revenge on the people that hurt them. Actually, most of the world does this all the time. But how many people know that's not the way God works? I know it's opposite of what we really think should happen. But here's the deal. Do you know that by forgiving somebody and letting it go, it's not that you let them off the hook. You let them off your hook. I had it explained to me one time. It was like, you know, you know what hay hooks are? You ever seen a hay hook? They're like a, <coughs> look like a pirate hook. You know, I-E-R-G-I-E-R-G. Okay, but imagine having hay hooks all over your body. And every time somebody wrongs you, you just hang them right there. You just hang them. I used, to, I used to actually get kids to hang off of me as I walked down the aisle of the church. They're all like dangling off me, you know, little kids and stuff like that. And I couldn't hardly walk because there's so much on me. And every time I would forgive somebody, we'd take one on. And then pretty soon, hey, I can walk pretty good. This is great. Now, does that mean that the people that wronged us are going to get away with it? No, because God sees everything. But it does mean that they're not holding us back from going forward in life because unforgiveness will slow you down quicker than anything else. So Joseph, we learned that when he has an opportunity to make someone pay for the wrong that was done to him, he takes the high road and he forgives them. Yikes! But this could not have been easy. Here's what he did. This is really an interesting. I so wish I had more time. He's standing before them, and finally he gets them all in a, at a meal, and he puts them in order of their birth. Well, they they're like, how did they guess? How does this work? He gets them all in their order, and then he sits down to eat with them, and then he gets all emotional again. He got to leave for a minute. He comes back, and he finally drops the bomb. Just like on a reality TV show. Guess what? I'm your brother Joseph. Well, you imagine all the spitting of food and everything that happened at that point. Because they all went, Oh, this is not good. <laughs> because you think about it, you're sitting with one of the most powerful people in the land. You, you threw him in a pit, you sold him into slavery, and you did him harm. And now you're eating dinner with him, and he could just... He could just have you all assassinated right there. 
And they all get really nervous. Really nervous. But he calms their fears. And isn't that like an awesome man or woman of God? Instead of letting you dwell and freak out over the fact that, yeah, you did wrong, they, he calmed them all. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. You know, what you did to me out of harm, you tried to harm me, somehow, someway, God meant it for good. Because now, I'm able to bless you and my father, and I can feed you, and I can clothe you, I can give you a place to stay, and you guys will be saved out of this family. You'll be saved out of this horrible tragedy that's happening to you, and it would have never happened if you hadn't hurt me. Oh my gosh. That is a bitter thing to swallow. But it's the right thing, isn't it? So instead of getting back at them, he says, no, no, no. What God, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. He took the spin on the situation a different way. He could have let it bury him. And he could have just wiped them all out and they could have made a movie about it. The Wrath of Joseph. But he didn't. He forgave them and even went as far as saying what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Now, I'm going to even fast forward further. They're all excited about this. This is awesome. But finally, they go get dad. Dad comes at the reunion. Oh, it's awesome. Everybody's, woo, you know, party. And life goes on until dad dies. And then the brothers again go, What's going to happen to us now that dad's gone? Because we think that he probably forgave us for dad's sake. Now dad is gone and they start to freak out again. And again, Joseph comforts them and says, no, no, no. I didn't do it just for dad. I did it because it was the right thing to do. And I still love you and I still care for you. Now, this is an interesting little twist at the end. Because some of us will go away from this and go, oh, that's it, I just have to forgive everybody and forget everything that happened. No, 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 no. It doesn't say that Joseph put them in charge of anything. It doesn't say they became his best buddies and they went off and started a business together. Because, you see, trust is earned, not just given. And forgiveness can be given, you can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you let them walk all over you again. So we need to be very clear on that. Because I think a lot of people say, well, I'll forgive and forget. And I'm not sure that that always happens. I think it's good to forgive, but it's not always good to forget if somebody's abusive to you. I think you just you need to have boundaries. And Joseph, because of what God had done for him and his attitude, he was able to have clear boundaries, and he was able to bless his family and bless those that had hurt him. How many of us could say, I want that for my life? Because every one of us has had situations that are tough. We've all been in places where we, maybe even as a, from our own fault, but even fault, no fault of our own, we've been put in situations that are difficult. Well, if you're going to rise to the top, be aware of the people around you. Love on people. Remember, the water boy never goes thirsty. If you're out there giving, if you're ministering to people, you, your needs will be met as well. That's not why you do it. But it's a result of loving on people and caring about people. 
you were taken care of as well. I love that when I was the manager of the football team in, in uh, junior high. I was a horrible football player, and so I became the manager. Go figure. So I provided snacks, water, and Gatorade. And guess what I... You can guess what I... I, got, I had snacks, water, and Gatorade whenever I wanted it. <laughs> but so did my teammates, you know, because that's, I was serving them. It's the same in the kingdom of God. You really want to rise to the top, then love people. Love God first. Love people. That's the, the number. Those are the commandments that Jesus told us are the most important. Love God and love others. You can sum all of the commandments up in that. It's pretty good. Let's pray. Lord, this was such a whirlwind. There's so much depth in the scripture, so much more to every scenario that happened. And such a great example to us of forgiving and moving forward. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for every person here within the sound of my voice that if they're struggling, maybe they've been going through something rough and they've been questioning, I don't know why God's allowing this to happen to me. I, I don't, I'm not really happy about this, so on and so forth. That you would grab their heart even right now and you would begin to fill their heart with faith. That if they will hold on to you, and that they will see it through and do the right thing, you, Lord, will cause them to rise to the top. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. And that you cared so much about us that you gave your only begotten son who died on the cross, shed his blood, took our place, died for us, and then rose again so that when we put faith in him and what he's done on the cross, we ourselves then can enter into your kingdom. We can be saved. What an amazing thing that is. Thank you for only being a prayer away. You're not elusive. You're not out there in a place we can't reach you. But you're right here, right now. And wherever we go, we're driving in the car, when we're getting ready for bed, when we're sitting at the restaurant, when we're flying on the plane, you're with us. And you're only a moment away. We just have to open our mouth and talk to you. Thank you for that. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that's never asked you to... to um, be the Lord of their life, the boss of their life, that they would do that even today. And that they would enter into a new relationship with the creator of the universe. Thank you, God. Help us in our attitudes and help us to see your Bible in a fresh and relevant way that would cause us to be better people and to love those around us. In Jesus' name. should be on a monk episode. I like it. I like this music.
Well, well done, dear. Thank you very much for sharing your great wisdom and um, understanding and encouragement with us all. Are you going to look at me? <laughs> oh, well, I know the, the people at the Baptist Church love you so much. They keep on having you back again and again. Oh, yes, but soon I will be there. But you don't necessarily have to play my messages because you're going to be sharing at Connection Church in Aberdeen the same time I'm sharing in Raymond. So if my if I really bomb, bomb it, and really do a bad job, you won't have to play mine because you'll have some of yours. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, <coughs> I'm going to be talking about women in ministry, but kind of, um, well, talking about women's roles historically and how women like can be no, how women can be world changers and how it's important to encourage young women <coughs> to fulfill their destinies and use their gifts and talents. And kind of we're going to be answering three questions that I've talked about on our podcast before. I heard someone not that long ago say there's three important questions you need to ask. One is who you are. Two is, who is God? And number three is, what does God want to do in the world through me? And so I'm going to talk about that, those three questions as it relates to women and what their roles are in society and in um, religion and the community. So um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I may have, uh, I, I thought, well, I'll just try to tackle those three questions and we'll see how that works in with everything <laughs> um yeah I'm a little nervous as you can tell so if you would like to get a hold of us if you want to pray for us please do but if you want to get a hold of us um you can get a hold of us at rick at takehimwithyou.com or amy at takehimwithyou.com you can get a hold of us at our Facebook sites, um, facebook.com forward slash rick.moyer or facebook.com forward slash amy.moyer. We'd love to hear from everybody. Every once in a while we get a note and it really encourages us. Um, otherwise, we kind of feel like this is a one-way conversation, kind of like I'm feeling today as I'm the only one talking on our podcast. It's kind of awkward. We like having a two-way conversation. So please uh, feel free to contact us. We love to hear from our listeners. And um, I guess I will just close this out saying this has been a more Multimedia LLC production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. Is that good or do I need to say something else? He said, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, hopefully his voice will be back next week so you don't just have to hear from me. Well, God bless everybody. And again, please keep our family in your prayers this week as we're getting over illness and sending Catherine off to Africa. She's feeling pretty healthy right now, which is good. She gave it to us. She had it first. And Rick's doing this sign that you make with your hands when people are talking too much. <laughs> 
have a great week, everybody.